What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Hawks are going to the playoffs, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, uh, thanks, as always, once again for asking. I really appreciate it. I am doing quite well. Looking forward to, is this our first ever May playoff preview show we've ever done? Yes, because normally the NBA playoffs start in April. I believe the last time the Hawks went to the playoffs. Oh, you're just doing a thing. Well, no, I, I was thinking no. in terms you, – you, you did get me there. Okay. I was thinking in terms of have we done this podcast with the Hawks going to the playoffs? Yes. The first year we were in the playoffs was the first year of this podcast mm. in 2017, I believe. Gotcha. No, not true. We probably started later in the year, right? No, we, we started in like March, I think, of 2017 – and then the Hawks were in the playoffs then, and they went to the playoffs the following year as well. So, so I don't whatever. know, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Got yet. it. Well, either way, I'm still excited to do this because it has been a few years since we've done this, correct? Yes, it has. It has been a long time since we've talked Hawks in playoffs, actually playing meaningful basketball in the spring. It's kind of weird we got a full week between the season ending and the playoffs starting. It feels a little too long for me, for my liking anyways. Well, you know what it's for, Adam. It's for the silly-ass play-in tournament. Right. Which I find perplexing. So, break it down for me, Graham. How, how does this work? <laughs> Are you a guy I could ask? I just the- told you I found it perplexing, but I'll do my best. So, the top ten teams are in the playoffs, technically. Seeds seven through ten in both conferences are in a play-in tournament. Seed 9 plays Seed 10. Seed 7 plays Seed 8. The winner of the 7-8 game becomes the 7th seed in the playoffs. Okay. The loser will then play the winner of the 9-10 playoff or play-in tournament game. That makes sense. The 10th place team is eliminated. Sure. And then the... Those two teams play, and then that was the eight. And then seed. that one is the eight seed, correct? Got it. Great job breaking that diagram. Yeah, thank you. This di- this diagram I didn't like that the NBA has. I had to look at it for about ten minutes. I was also really hungover when I looked at it, so I think that's also why I didn't get it. But um, that's how it works. The Hawks have avoided the play-in tournament, and whoever wins in that playoff tournament, we will probably not play at all, even if we beat the Knicks. Yeah, we couldn't play them until what the Eastern Conference Finals with. A lot of things went right for us and right for one of those teams. Right. Or the semifinals if somehow the 8 seed beats the 1. Sure. That's pretty unlikely. Yes. But you never know. Uh, We are officially the number 5 seed. So the Knicks won on the last day of the season on Sunday, which guaranteed them the same record as us. And they have the tiebreaker over us because they won all three games against us this year. So... That's the only bit of bad news here is, I mean, just looking at these two teams from above, pretty similar profiles. Two teams that haven't been to the playoffs in a while, uh, both young, both little to no playoff experience uh, among them. I mean, you got like, I mean, Derek Rose and we got Lou Williams, but, you know, besides that, like all of the, the stars in this series have not been to the playoffs. It's their the first time on the big stage, so... You don't really know how they're going to show up for it. But, I mean, essentially what we got is the firepower offense that the Hawks have 
versus the Knicks, who have kind of been more of a defensive stopper team all year. <clears throat> and they've got um, Randall, Julius Randall. Yeah, Julius Randall has really taken over this year, uh, been a hell of a player. He leads the team in points per game, 24, rebounds at 10.2, and assists. So he's a triple threat, literally, out there with six assists per game. Um, the dude's been an absolute hoss. I mean, this is his come-out, breakout year, however you want to word it. Um, easily the best player on their team, has the highest PER rating at 19.73, which is uh, pretty great, and he plays around 37 minutes a game. They are really dependent on him, though, I will say, in the sense of generating offense because he's either scoring or he's dishing it out, and most of the time he's scoring it. And he's also pivotal on defense in terms of he gets uh, a lot of rebounds uh, per game at 10.2. So he's the, he's, the, he's the key to the the Knicks series. I mean, I know they play great defense. If they shut us down, they can win even probably if Randall doesn't play well in this, um, in this matchup. But he's really – like the Hawks have to figure out ways to contain him. And we all know that in the playoffs – uh, NBA basketball gets a little transformed. People actually, people actually give a shit and play some defense. So I'm interested to see what McMillan, what tactics McMillan will employ to try to slow down Julius Randle. Yeah, the good news is that, I mean, we did lose all three games against them, but I think the second one we were extremely limited with injuries. The third one was when Trey went down where we were probably going to win that game if Trey had continued to play. So it's not like they've really overmatched us. Uh, Randall, I mean, he, he's, he went off on all three of those games with us, 40-plus points. But what's interesting is that we do have DeAndre Hunter back. So DeAndre Hunter is a guy that you could put on Randall where we didn't have him as an option uh, in the regular season. So that could really change things defensively anyways. Well, I think what's big about that too is that that means, even though Randall is a, a power forward, he also likes to play in the post. So you could do some sort of weird switch off where Hunter contains him on the perimeter and then Capella's down there, you know, guarding the paint, which is what you want. Or, or Collins, because also the thing that the Knicks are going to be trying to do this series is get Capella in foul trouble early. I mean, he alone is really our interior defense because when he gets into foul trouble, then you've got Gallinari slash John Collins combo, which hasn't been that great down there at all defensively, so... You know, just like we need to contain Randall, the Knicks are going to try really damn hard to get Capella into early foul trouble and uh, take him out of the game. Yeah, and I think, too, given the Knicks' proficiency at being a really good, especially perimeter defensive team, they're also going to turn their attention to Bogdan, Bogdan Bogdanovich. I don't know why I can never pronounce his name. Let's call him Bogey from now on. There you go. As we all know, Bogey's been on fire. Shot over 50% from three since the All-Star break. Shot 44% overall from three this season. Um, it's been incredible. He's, he's another guy that's got to continue to play at the level he's been playing at for us to, to win this series. Yeah, I mean, you can say that about so many people. But I feel like if the other guys aren't performing, then that puts more pressure on Trey, and that creates you know more situations where Trey is jacking up ill-advised logo three-pointers and shit like that. So the other guys have to do their job so that we can be a more complete team. And the, and the, the pressure is not put on Trey to, to try and be Superman. Sure. And, I mean, watching this team, there's there's nothing that would make you believe that bogey's just going to go cold all of a sudden. No. Like, I mean, and just the sheer depth that we have. Like, yeah, maybe one or two guys won't be going off. But, you know, then you get a, a Gallinari going eight of eight from three. Or right. something crazy. So, 
Um, that's another clear advantage we have is our depth, ability to spread it out on the perimeter and just find an open shooter and take advantage of one-on-one -on -one matchups. All in all, I feel pretty good about how these our team stacks up against theirs. I mean, their bench isn't bad, though. I mean, they got Alex Burks, Derek Rose, and uh, Emmanuel Quickly, who are all very solid players. Taj Gibson's a decent player on the inside, too. So their bench is nothing to, to sneeze at. Um, but I would agree that overall I think the Hawks have a better bench than, than the Knicks. Yeah, I think, as you said, it is going to come down to strength versus strength, offense versus defense. Um, and it's going to be a really fun series to watch in terms of how these teams adjust Will the and also will the lack of playoff experience by the one in the ass, who's going to be the playoff hero, and the play of the superstars and Julius Randle and Trey Young. And sadly for us, a lot of it could come down to home court advantage, mm. which the Knicks have, and New York City is just conveniently loosening their COVID requirements just in time for the first uh, playoff game for the Knicks in, in eight years. So there's talk about them having like eight to 10,000 fans in Madison Square Garden, which I would read, be a big game changer. I read there's only going to be about 10% capacity, but if those, if those um, restrictions keep lifting, then yeah, you're right. They probably will put more people in there, which sucks for us. Right. And I mean, we had some ridiculous home record like 18 and two under McMillan, mm -hmm. us playing at home. So like we've said many times in, in NBA, that home court advantage is everything. So let's just hope we can get one, split the series up in New York, take care of business at home like yeah. we have all year. Mm -hmm. And the Hawks did finish the season strong. They're the second best record in the league since April 1st. The Knicks also, for comparison's sake, they've had the fourth best record in the league. I mean – I know we said we didn't want to play the Knicks earlier, and we know, as you said, they beat us in all all the games we played this year, but we also know there's a lot of bullshit there. Either we didn't have guys healthy or people got hurt during the game, et cetera. But this is probably the most exciting first-round playoff matchup, I would say, in terms of just these two teams are not even like mirror images of each other, but they complement each other really well. They're like complementary teams or complementary colors. Blue and orange is a complementary color in the sense that they're opposites, but they also, like, attract in a way. Like, you want to see the dynam dynamism of this matchup because of the contrasting styles of play. And uh, I think it's going to go six or seven games. It's going to be a hell of a series. We haven't talked really about the coaching matchup. They got Tom Thibodeau. People remember who used to be the coach of the Chicago Bulls when they were championship contenders. We have McMillan. Thibodeau has had a lot more playoff success than McMillan. Um, McMillan, one of the reasons he was not resigned to be the Pacers' head coach was because he uh, was swept in the first round of the playoffs in back-to-back -back seasons. So there's a lot of people being like, oh, man, McMillan's not a playoff coach, et cetera, et cetera. But I would argue that this is definitely one of his more talented teams he's had, and they are hot as hell. So history certainly matters, but this is also new history can be made too. It's a, it's a completely new team for him to work with, although he's struggled in the playoffs with every team he's had so far. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. And uh, to make matters even worse, if you want to be a continue to be a student of history, his teams are one and eleven in their last twelve playoff games, and overall he's seventeen and thirty six in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, so not so great, especially recently. You know, on paper you would yeah you'd say yeah they have the coaching advantage, yeah for sure. But it's going to come down to a lot more than that. And we don't really have a full definition on when we know the game starts on Sunday. We don't know if it's going to be during the day or it's going to be at night or anything like that. But 
you know, we know the NBA playoffs go forever. I think they're scheduled to go as late as July 22nd if the finals get crazy. So I'm sure there's going to be two or three days off in between games. I hate the way the fucking playoffs work. It's like a series can take two weeks. Yeah, yeah. We could be here for a while. Yeah. Talking about these damn Knicks. And another thing that's kind of frustrating for fans is that, yes, the Hawks are going to have, I think, what, 35 to 40% capacity or something like that. I was checking out playoff tickets, Adam. I was like, we got to go to the damn, at least one of these playoff games. $145 a pop to sit in the upper deck at State Farm Arena. They must have really, because I checked it a couple days ago because I got family coming to town this week, and I was like, oh, we can go to a damn playoff game together. That'd be fun for them. And when I checked it, they were all like $200 plus. I was like, okay, no, we we won't go to a damn playoff game. Yeah. I do not believe that during normal times they would be that expensive. No. Last playoff game I went to was the last year we went. We had Dwight Howard playing the Wizards. And we sat in the upper deck, and I think it cost 70 bucks a pop. That was only like three or four years ago. Yeah. Still isn't cheap, but it's like, okay, it's better than 145 Yeah, like I thought you could get it for 50 bucks, but they're, they're trying to make some money back. I, I don't blame them. It's worse than New York. Those tickets are going for like $500 plus. Dollars. Um, if you know people, people are going to pay it. I mean, the, the media is all, obviously all over New York right now. Yeah, everybody's picking I, the Knicks. Yeah, I saw like... I can't remember where it was, but it was like 20 different riders and like two pick the Hawks to win. Yeah. I mean, it is going to be a toss-up series. But yeah, the Knicks are going to get the love because everybody loves the Knicks, even though they haven't been a relevant team in 25 years. But whatever. And I suspect a lot of people haven't truly watched the Hawks. Yeah. We're definitely not talked about as much. I mean, the Knicks also went on like a nine-game winning streak at one point. Everybody was talking about how great they are. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. But you know what? I don't really give a shit what anyone has to say, Adam. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what we have to say either. You can just turn off the podcast and just go watch the game. That's, that's really all it comes down to. Um, I really... I think what you brought up earlier is a great point, though. If Capella goes out in any of these games because of foul trouble and he has to sit for prolonged periods of time, I feel like we are screwed. Yeah, because... Uh- a Kongu definitely has made great strides. I, I, Looked I, great in that last game against I don't, the Rockets. Yeah, I don't, he went, had like 23 points or something. I mean, but playing against, I mean, that entire Rockets team is just completely full of scrubs. But he has at least shown a ton of growth over the last month or two where maybe you can rely on him a little bit in the playoffs, but you don't want to. No. No. Um, but yeah, Capella is everything for this team. It, it, it really is crazy, especially when I was talking about this, I think, a couple weeks ago. But when we played Philly, and he went out for a little bit, and Embiid just destroyed us for a solid, like, eight minutes. It just fed him and fed him and fed him, and we couldn't stop him. I know Embiid's a freak, but good God, it just magnified that whole thing without Capella. Um, we can easily be taken advantage of. And the one thing, at least the, the good news for the Hawks is that even though the, you know, the Knicks are a good team, they're not, like— the most explosive team in the world. They don't shoot the three as well as we do. So it's like, I think we can survive, you know, a, a defensive miscue here and there. It really does come down to Capella, though. He is he is the MVP of this team. I know Trey is. I mean, I know you can argue that Trey is, but Trey can go cold or play bad defense, and we can, you know, we can still win games. If Capella's not doing his thing and he's not out there, it's all over. So... Kind of, sort of. We, we won a few games without Capella. But yeah, but I, I mean, get like, what you're saying. in this series, though, right. he is essential. That, that's like you can say that about so many, so many people on this team. That's why I do love this team so much because we we are that. 
mm-hmm. a cohesive unit, Graham. Yep. A team. We don't rely on just one guy. Trey, Trey could go completely cold. Someone's going to step up. That's maybe that's Lou Williams' game. Like that. That's a, he's a huge X factor in this series. He's been cold recently, Lou. Um, I wonder if he is going to factor in as much as you're thinking. I don't. I don't think that all of a sudden, just over the last like two weeks, Lou Williams lost his talent for basketball. I'm not saying he lost his talent. I'm just saying he has not looked great. He's waiting he's for the big there. moment. Okay. The big moment's coming. He's an X factor, and then DeAndre Hunter is a huge X factor. Yeah. As well. If he can play more than you know 15 minutes and play at a I'm, you know, I don't expect him to play as well as he did when he was first starting this year but you know a few notches below that and he's still contributing defensively especially then we're gonna be in a good position I think because that's another thing that just people lose sight of with his offensive emergence this year has been his defensive prowess has gotten even better than it was and he already had a really good um, year as a defender in his rookie season yeah I mean he was on pace to be like the most improved player Mm-hmm. This year, probably along with Julius Randle, right? If he had kept going what he was doing early on, so recency bias is a thing, but you, we can't forget what he was early in the season. And God knows where we'd be if it weren't for him. It's kind of like Ronald Acuna the first two weeks of the season for the Braves and just carrying us, right? So, uh, you have any predictions for the series, Graham? I want to say Hawks and seven. That's what my heart says. That's what I'll stick with. Hawks and seven. Yeah, I, I can't make a prediction. I can't do it. I just I don't make predictions. I'm not a prediction guy. I could see us losing in six. I don't know why. I could also see us winning and making a huge run of the playoffs. So, but I, I don't know something about these Knicks and all the energy they're going to have behind them. And Randall scares the hell out of me. Oh yeah, I mean the 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 transformation of his game is pretty incredible, and he is a huge threat to us for sure but i don't think the moment's gonna be too big for the team or for trey no and the good news is is they're gonna be dealing with the same shit too they do have more i think a veteran presence of people who have been there before like alex burks and especially derrick rose who's played many high profile playoff games over his career that can provide maybe better guidance and mentorship for the playoff moment but you know that can only go so far at the end of the day so we'll uh, watch it play out graham yep and we'll be talking about, I guess, the first couple games next week when we uh, when we return. Although, are we recording for your wedding week? We may not be recording that week, so you may have to wait till the week after to hear what we think about the series, as it probably won't even be over next week, yeah. Adam. You can follow it in real time. Yeah, and I think that wraps up our little Hawks preview. There's not really too much, I don't think, else to get into. All right, well, Adam, let's talk about these Braves. Mm. What a roller coaster this team is, huh? They are so streaky. They're either kicking ass, or for the most part, they're getting their asses kicked. But it, it, I mean, it, it's not even streaky. It's like short streaks. Like right, it's like three you, games, four. You games. feel good for them uh, about them on Wednesday, and then come Sunday, it's terrible. Yeah. And then the Blue Jays come into town, kick your ass, and it's god awful. But then uh, you know, so I mean, I was feeling good about them come Sunday morning, Sunday evening. I don't know. Yeah, it was so weird watching that game Saturday night. You know, Freddie hits his 250th home run. We're hanging out. It's a good time, good pitching. We just dominated the whole game. It was like, this is what we should be doing. I didn't even watch the Sunday game because when I was so hungover and I was like, I do not want to go on a Braves roller coaster today. I could just feel something weird was going to happen. That sounded like a very bizarre game. Yeah, Sunday was wild. So this was against the Brewers to actually, you know, 
get into podcast yeah. talk. Right. Uh, playing the Brewers, won the first two games of the series in pretty dominant fashion. And then we got your boy Yanoa on the mound. So it seems like, oh, we got a potential sweep here. And he just didn't have it that day. Like, he, he wasn't as crisp as he has been. And we will get into what happened later that day to Wasker. I watched a little bit of it. And then I was like, I got to go do something with my life. Went to mow the lawn. See that we're down 6 nothing at one point And Jesse Biddle's in. I was like, okay, good choice to not just sit and devote your day to this. We end up down 8 nothing. I'm completely giving up. And then I check Twitter real quick. And I see Freddie Freeman just hit a grand slam. That was the fastest comeback I've ever seen, 8-7. Yeah, I mean, Freddie hits his... Now, remember he hadn't hit any Grand Slams for like 10 plus years? Yeah, now he's just... Now he's got three in like the past two seasons. Right. Um, and he started turning on big time offensively. Yeah, he, he, he's been awesome. I mean, we were... I don't think we ever doubted Freddie. No, but, but he, over the last week, week and a half or so, he's been he's been really good. He's been an absolute stud. So the, the big controversy in this game was after we make this huge comeback... To get back to 8-7, Snit brings in Tomlin to pitch the seventh inning. And, I mean, he's been really bad the last three or four outings. And, of course, he does give up another three runs. We put two more runs up on the board off, like, the Brewers' studs of relievers and uh, Williams and Hayter. But we end up losing by one run because the bullpen, once again, couldn't hold a lead. This bullpen is a disaster. It is. So people were killing Snit, obviously, for that decision. And he was pretty candid in his post-game interviews. I don't know if you saw these, where they were like questioning, why would you bring Tomlin in into a one-run game? And he was just like, look, these are the guys that we had for today. Like, in a 162-game season, we can't... I mean, Minter, we've already seen how much Minter's been overused. Matzik has been way overutilized. Will Smith... Martin just came back and pitched two out of three days. Like, I mean, we were down to, like, Tomlin, Jackson, Newcomb, and Jacob Webb. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? Like, you can't throw these guys every single day. And Webb's been terrible. And Webb has been terrible. So, you know, I, I understand frustration in Tomlin, but we we just don't have the numbers we had last year and that that's what it comes down to so like i'm constantly going back and forth in my head what's the issue with this team is it the starting pitching one day it is is it the bullpen a lot more days it is is it the offense some days we look great and then that first game against the mets last night we have three hits i think for the entire game yeah and, and one of those is max freed so it's like he's the first one to get ahead yeah so like we we just can't put it all together but i, I think at the end of the day, the bullpen is the biggest issue right now. Yeah, the bullpen um, blown tons of save opportunities, not be able to hold leads or keep us in games when we are down. And I just, I'll say this: I know Tomlin has delivered before, and he's not. I don't think he's a terrible pitcher or anything like that. Even though the ERA would suggest differently in the whip, but the problem with Tomlin in today's baseball is that he has to be perfect every time he goes out in terms of if he wants to be effective. Because he doesn't have the most movement on his pitches. He, his velocity sucks. So if he doesn't locate perfectly and induce weak contact, he's trash. He's, he's a trash pitcher if he doesn't do that. And if he's not on, he can't get by on his stuff. Like, for example, if um, Chris Martin's stuff isn't on, but he's still throwing gas, and he's able to, you know, he leaves a pitch in the middle of the plate, somebody might miss it because he's throwing 98. Josh Thomas throwing 89, 
And if he's not on, he's laying, you know, softballs in there. He's going to get killed. There's just there's little room for error with Josh Tomlin, and I don't think he should be used in a scenario where, you know, we are in the game. He needs to, he needs to be mop, mop up guy. We're up big or we're down big. So so take take Sunday situation. Who are you putting in the seventh inning instead? That's the problem. Is I don't really have a great answer for that, but I would put anyone over, anyone who is available over Tomlin in that scenario. So. Obviously, Luke Jackson then, who who did pitch. Luke a per- Jackson has looked great. Luke, over Luke last Jackson and a half. had the eighth. He pitched a perfect eighth. He, yeah, he was the only clean inning. The last, the last, like the same night, Freddie Freeman got his shit together. The game we went to, um, where he hit, hit that home run. The same game, Luke Jackson also had a one, two, three inning. Um, both those guys have just turned it around completely, and they've both been fantastic since then. I commend Luke Jackson for looking and actually looking like a major league pitcher again. Yeah, I mean he he's been a godsend. I mean, but he had the eighth inning. Um, you go with Jesse Biddle over Tomlin. Jesse Biddle, who threw no. 13 straight balls. You go with Jacob Webb, who almost just killed Pilar yesterday. I know. Like, I what was, are you going to do? I'm just saying. And you can't and you can't run these guys into the ground I'm not for saying a, a you game can. in I'm May. Just, I would literally almost put in anyone else other than Tomlin, even though I know those other guys haven't been good. Tomlin's just a huge liability in a big situation. Huge. And not to say those other guys aren't, but I'm just saying like I would be more – I would be willing to say, okay. Tomlin has a track game. record, at least. Like he's pitched in the eighth inning for us in games last year. So has Webb. So has Biddle. What was the? I mean, what was the playoff game where I was like, was that last year or two years ago? Where I was like, if we, oh, that was the. Uh, that was the Cardinals series. I was like, if we keep Tomlin in, we win that series. He, was, he actually pitched really well there. Yeah, but that was once again. He was on point. Yeah, he, he was he, inducing weak he, contact. He has not been as crisp. He, this his year. location sucks this year. Yeah, he has not been nearly um, as crisp. Um, outside that one game, he pitched like four innings or whatever. Yeah, when Morton couldn't get out of the. Will first. Smith doesn't look great. Like no one looks good right now. Mentor is cre- clearly gassed. Um, this bullpen is an extreme Hindenburg. Flames are enveloping everything. The ship is going down. The Titanic is split in half. Whatever fucking metaphor you want to use, it is a disaster. A complete and utter disaster. I think they have the worst ERA amongst bullpens this month. They have just sucked all year, and it's only getting worse. And I know Shane Green is back. He needs to get his ass up here. We got There's got to be a radical reform here because, like, this this is trending in the in the wrong direction. Nothing gives you hope when any of these players get in the game. Biddle has been DFA'd. Webb is a complete liability now. Um, I still don't take back what I said about he should have made the roster over Luke Jackson only because if you looked at their stats— Webb was better. You shake your head at me like you know what you're talking about, but if you compare those stat lines together before the season, Webb should have won because Webb had better stats. Webb had options. Luke Jackson did not. And what did I tell you? That we needed all the arms we can get, and that has proved true. And they all suck, though. So you would have you would have preferred the regular season. Based off the facts that I had, yes. So the fa- the facts that you have is... Jacob Webb could go to the minor leagues and come back. Luke Jackson, he would not be able, like, he could get picked up by another team and be pitching for them. So those are the facts, Graham. There, there's more to the facts than just what has Jacob Webb done in his, like, half a season of pitching versus what has Luke Jackson done. Luke Jackson's been shit. Those are the facts. Yeah, those are the facts. He's been terrible. And he's actually having a little bit of a good two-week stretch. He's still not been that great this year. So knowing that... so. The thing I said about options, that means nothing to you? No. That's meaningless? I'm, I'm all for... So our bullpen be, would be even weaker It would right be now. worse. It would be worse, and you could say that could be a mistake, but I would say based off 
the stats and how Luke Jackson wasn't even on the freaking playoff roster or the regular season roster last year. He didn't deserve to be on the roster. Uh, now, he has proved <laughs> that he is actually maybe becoming more of a viable pitcher again, but I still think he's been extremely lucky over the course of the season minus the last week and a half. Extremely lucky. We're going to have this argument every week, and I, I think where you and I... You know he's been lucky as shit. How has he been lucky? He's been getting crushed. Not the last week and a half, but before that. Balls flying all over the field, but they're at people. He's gotten so lucky with that. His whip, where you always allow two or three guys on per inning. You make this argument every single week. But you refuse to acknowledge it. Where you and I differ the most uh, as as refuse to acknowledge it. I acknowledge that his whip is high. Yeah, I've told you a million times. Yeah, he works himself into these terrible situations, but he also tends to get out of them. I've told you that a million times. So if he tends to get out of them, then why was he off the regular season roster in the playoff roster last year? He's a bad track record. Because we had five other arms that are better. We don't have these arms this year. I understand. I'm just saying, like, I still don't trust him. But I trust him more than anyone else right now. We have to trust him. I know. it's, It's a terrifying thing because eventually the levy will break on Luke Jackson. And it'll be no one to pick up the pieces. Well, I hope that'll make you really happy when that happens. It won't make me happy. This team makes me feel like I'm watching the Falcons, and I hate it. Don't you feel just extreme apathy? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I I find myself not being able to get as invested in each game because I know come the 7th, 8th inning, something's going wrong. Yeah. But I'm also not giving up on this team. I'm not giving up either. I just, in May. And I, I just think, what are you going to do with the bullpen, Adam? What can you do? Everybody's already overworked. They all suck. Except Luke Jackson. What are you going to do? Um, starters need to start going longer in the game, for one. Although, we took a big hit today. Uh, I guess we need to get into this. Wasker Yanoa, who has been our ace so far this year, albeit an unexpected ace. But an ace nonetheless. Our eight, an ace nonetheless. Was very upset after his start on Sunday and decided to punch the back of the bench and uh, broke his hand and he will be out for the next two months. We found that out on Monday. Mondays are a shitty day already, so we find that out. Might as well throw more crap on top of that. We find out that Soroka is, you know, basically done for the year again. Yeah, we, yeah, we talked about that. But, like, it was verified after the surgery he had that. He had the surgery and, like, Snit talked about it again. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they still don't know. You knew so. he was going to be done, but now it's official. Yeah, so... And then Max Freed had hand cramps last night. He's, Whatever, fi- he's fine. He'll be fine, I guess. But he looked, at least he looked good pitching. Um, oh, like, he's been great the last three starts. Like, he yeah. he knows where the ball's going, where he did not the first couple starts yeah. he threw. So, uh, I'm still, like, we still have so much depth in the starting rotation, though. Like, that's... Uh, what do you... I mean... Who, who are you bringing up? Bryce Wilson? I mean, Bryce looked great the he last did. time. He did. Tucker Davison's throw five innings of two-hit ball as we speak. Yeah. Uh, you just got no one you can rely on other than Ian Anderson and Freed. Morton sucks. Smiley. Smiley's been really good the last two but times. Morton sucks right now. He's dog shit. Right now, but I I, I don't... As the old, As the old heads always say, he's got a back of a baseball card. Oh, man. please. Let's talk about what he's doing right now. Yes, the track record indicates that you know, he is a good pitcher. But I'm just – one thing that's been consistent across this pitching staff is how we get two strikes on a person, we're ahead in the count, and we just lay a pitch in there. It happens to Webb all the time. It happens to Morton. That's happened to Mentor. Um, so frustrating how that happens. But, yeah, I hope he gets it together. And the, and the all the analytics and everything else will tell you that, yes, he will get it together. 
But good God, right now, every start is just pathetic. Yeah, he's he's been a massive disappointment, but I, I am excited that Bryce Wilson is probably going to get a real shot right now. And Tucker Davison's definitely going to get another start based off tonight. So, But these injuries suck. I mean, now, I mean, with Wasker being out, because early on, before I had, the, I had these great starts, I was like, that's the guy I wanted in my bullpen. I wanted mm-hmm. him in the bullpen. I wanted Tukey in the bullpen. Don't forget about Tukey getting Tukey's hurt. Tukey's still hurt. Yeah. I, I don't know what, what he – I can't remember what he what happened to him, but, yeah, he's he's donezo. Uh, transaction that happened this week that at the time was just a depth signing, but now it might be someone we actually use. We signed Tanner Roark, who used to be decent with the Nats. I think he's had a tough couple of years probably. He has. I'm sure you're going to say he's the worst pitcher that has ever existed, and uh, he doesn't it, deserve to even have a baseball glove. It's, he's up, that bad. it's up there. He's been uh, worth negative point four award uh, last year, and negative point three award this year. Um, six eight ERA, six eight ERA in 2020, six four three ERA in 2021. What was and he the year before? The year before that, he was four fifty eight um, and point four WAR. He hasn't had a really good year since 2018 so who knows he might maybe come he can in. give us some innings maybe yeah at this point that, that's what we need throw the kitchen sink at it man because this is this is just this thing's it's, it's horrible yeah and i'm so mad at Hawaskar, man like everybody's like oh you know he's just a competitive guy and blah 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 but i mean and people it's not act like he's the first person to ever punch anything in a dugout or beat something to death or whatever after a, a bad outing but you gotta not do that <laughs> sure i mean it's just it's just there's just no excuse get a baseball bat and beat the shit out of the water cooler or hell maybe you know what teams should start doing is implementing some sort of rage room where you can just go straight in there it's like fully padded and you can just beat the shit out of something like a like a uh you know one of those like uh little I'm doing a horrible job describing this I'm like holding my fingers in front of the microphone right now, and Adam's looking at me like I'm uh, a magic eight ball. Like a, it looks like a magic eight ball, but one of those figures, you know, that you could punch and it comes back up. So a, a boxing bag. A boxing bag, but like uh, it looks like a person. The one they have at played against sports. Yeah, we can put Jose Urania on there. Everybody sure. hates him. Yeah. Just go down there and beat the shit out of that for a couple minutes, then you're good. We need to put this in place. Well, it's certainly going to be a lifelong lesson for the young man especially cuz he was he's never been this good and he looked he was doing amazing he also had a 765 slugging percentage i mean he was having the season of his life and he blows up after one bad start and that's just so disappointing for him and i'm mad at him for that because i was i've been so impressed by his uh his ability to go out there and perform especially with just two pitches and keeping guys off off track and just pitching out of his freaking mind i mean it was it was such a great run and for it to end this way it's just the most true to Atlanta thing that could possibly happen right now. Yeah, he, he's certainly more upset than you are about it. Um, I'm sure. A guy who, I mean, he didn't think he was going to have a roster spot this year. And no. It just sucks because one of these young guys finally just, I mean, Ian Anderson, he's a different breed. But one of these other, like, more fringe young guys finally just, like, does fully take off. And it's like, okay, here we go. We're rolling. And then to get signed line, line by this type of injury just really sucks. But what are you going to do? Ne- next man up. Bryce Wilson, Tucker Davison, now's your time. You could be that guy now. Yeah. Um, it just would have been nice if we could have had, like, Klosker go in strong, Anderson free, then you got a solid three-man rotation. Maybe Morton figures his shit out. You also got Wilson in the mix. You know, now this depth that you keep talking up will be certainly challenged. Yeah, let's see, let's see what these guys got. But 
to answer your ori original question, yeah, get, get some length going from these starters a little bit. Get Shane Green back into the mix. And, um, you know, we just need some better luck. I don't know. The, the, I still think we're going to be fine. I, I don't look I'm at this. starting to get really concerned. Do you look at this this Mets team and think they're that great? I'm not that impressed well, by them. Well, the thing is, is that they are using they have more injuries than we do, and they're still winning games and, and going out there and, and getting it done. And <laughs> and they have been. Trust me, I know this because I had like three Mets on my fantasy baseball team. They're all on the injured list. You're damn expert. Um, yeah, I'm a total expert. But they they were talking about it last night how they're missing like six lineup regulars right now, and they're just pushing through so imagine when they get those guys back their pitching has been one of the best in in baseball this year um they're missing Degrom right now but um you know their bullpen's been really good the rotation has been top of the top of the league and whip and era and they're they're getting it done offensively with a ragtag group so when they get all those guys back nimmo and jd davis and others they're gonna i don't know i mean i'm not saying that they're going to it's too early to tell what's going to happen, but I'm just saying they look a hell of a lot better than we do, and they're dealing with not maybe not as much shit as we are, but certainly a lot of injuries. I don't know. You're such a Mets fan now. I'm not a Mets fan. I just try to keep track of the other teams in the, the division. seem pretty scared by the Mets. I am scared by the Mets. I'm, I'm scared more so not of the Mets, but of the Braves' tendency to self-destruct. There are so many games this year that you can look at that we've had the lead or we've been in a close game, and we're just not getting it done. And people continue to underperform. I'm going to take a uh, – I want to give you a scenario, Adam. I'm going to give you two stat lines. I'm going to ask you – Which one would I prefer? Which one would you prefer? I feel like I've, I've, I've tricked you with doing this exact same thing before. You have. This is a little payback time here. So I'm probably just going to choose the worst stat line then. All right, well, then I'm going to make a really funny point if you do that. Okay, okay so 292 by an average, 404 on base percentage, 415 slugging percentage. Slugging percentage isn't that great, but the other stat's pretty good. Now you got 207 average, 271 on base, 360 slugging, and a negative .3 war, and that other guy had a .9 war. Who are you batting first? Who are you batting first? Well, like, in the order. Who's, who should be batting before the other person? The guy, the first guy. Yeah. With the higher war. So that's Austin Riley compared to Dansby Swanson. Continuously, Snicker is batting Swanson before Riley, and I cannot put my finger on it as to why he's doing that. Seems to be no rhyme or reason. Your boy Austin Riley is actually kicking ass, even though he doesn't. the power still hasn't really come out yet, even though he hit a home run last night. But he's got the best uh, on base percentage on the team. He needs more at bats. Yeah, it's definitely time to move him up. Um, and I'll even make the argument that we were doing on a little Atlanta text thread today. I want to see Orlando Arcia. Yeah, guy has been killing it. Was he hit nine home runs in Gwinnett or something like that? Something ridiculous. Yeah. You know, he, he's the guy that we traded for from the Brewers that Graham and I got into a ridiculously stupid conversation and argument about for way too long. And the main point of that argument should have been, we need Arcia and Adrian's on this team. At this um, point, yeah, it's looking like it. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of tired of just running the same lineup out there night after night. And, like, Ozuna's played every game, I think, and he's hitting 209. Dansby has played every game. He's hitting 204. He's been a lot better at home than on the road. But, but um, Especially a 271 on base percentage is just inexcusable. Same with Ozuna, 291. Ozuna had an awful approach at the plate last night. 
Freddie coaxes a four-pitch walk, and then Ozuna comes up and swings at the first pitch, which wasn't even really a strike, and flies out. It's like, what the hell are you doing? And then, Ozzie, wa- and then yeah. Ozzie did the exact same thing. Yeah, it's like, I hate the approach that these guys have at the plate sometimes. It feels like brain-dead baseball when sometimes when we're at the plate and when we're running the bases. I, I just cannot stand it. I've yeah. already gone into the whole bases thing. I'm not going to do that again. But it's, it's, it's infuriating to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's really Ronnie, Freddie, and Riley, the only guys having good at-bats right now for the most part. Yeah. I mean, Contreras has been solid, but I'm worried the league's going to catch up to him. Right, and her, I mean, Heredia needs to keep playing too, um, which he is, but that guy's still been pretty good since he's come back. Hell, maybe it's time to move him, the, the center field combo of Heredia slash Ender, back up in the lineup a little bit. I think her move Dan I, move I do not want, down. I do not want Ender moving up. Riley needs to move up. Heredia needs to move up. Dansby needs to be hitting eighth. He needs to be hitting below Contreras. I'm fine with it for now. Um, Dave O'Brien and Erico Flaherty were having a really good conversation about Contreras and the his. I mean his defense, which has been really bad so far. He's already like third in the league in pass balls. But yeah. also the impact that having such an inexperienced catcher has had on the pitching staff as well. That's a good point. I haven't considered. Because they were talking about uh, with Biddle the other day. Mm-hmm. Like when Biddle literally threw like 13 straight balls and they were all fastballs. But he just kept calling fastballs. And then he calls for like one slider, which was a ball. But it kind of just like reframed Biddle's mind. Mm-hmm. And then the next pitch, he calls a fastball again and it's a strike. So it's like something where like if it is a Darno or Mathis, or even a Flowers, where that veteran catcher is going to recognize, hey, this guy just needs to switch it up. Because, like, Contreras' bat has been great, and that's why he's going to keep getting run out there. But, you know, I mean, there's a reason catchers take so long. Like, you don't see 19, 20-year-old catchers coming up. Like, they've got a lot to do. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. And maybe you can attribute some of that to the, I mean, the pitching staff has been bad all year, but yeah, it, it probably doesn't help if Contreras is doing that. That's a really good point by, by a Flaherty and yeah, th- those guys, if you want to be informed about baseball, listen, listen to, to 7050. Don't listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> 7055 is real. Like that, that was just like some good shit. Cause like they, they were bringing up everything about like the managing bullpen and it's like, being a baseball manager isn't just about winning today, you know? Of course. Like you have to be able to, because they were talking about how, like, think about, and Flaherty mentioned himself, like, that 2000, was it a 2012 team where our bullpen was Venters, Kimbrell, and O'Flaherty. And it was unstoppable. And then look what happened in the next year when they failed down the stretch. And then, like, Venters and O'Flaherty all ended up with injury issues. In 2013. Yeah, I mean, and that was the thing, too. Like, Bobby Cox in 2010, Venters' rookie year, ran him out, like, every day. Like, he had, like, 99 appearances or so. It wasn't that much, but it, it was, like, over 75 or something like that. Well, it was, like, everyday Johnny. In the 80s, and that's what, like, Mentor and Matzik are both on, like, pace for right now is in the 80s appearances. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, so I, I get Snickers... And Snickers got to be frustrated, too, because he probably, even though he said, yeah, these guys need to be able to step up, it's like no one's really stepping up right now. You can't point to one guy in the bullpen and be like, I fully trust that guy, which is the antithesis of what it was last year. Last year it was like, I trust everybody. Everybody is awesome. Every, no one can touch our bullpen. Yeah, you could Everybody have, touches our bullpen. You could have four four guys that are off limits for the day, and like you wouldn't even notice. Like, yeah. O'Day could pitch the eighth or whatever. Right. Like, I, I completely undervalued the loss of those those pitchers um i feel like an idiot i thought we'd be okay looking at the bullpen <laughs> up and down i was like yeah 
As long as Luke Jackson's not on the team, turns out Luke Jackson's your best reliever. That's when you know you're screwed <laughs> when that's happening. Or when you know you're wrong. No, I still don't think I'm wrong. I still think... You're going to go to your grave. I will. Luke Jackson's the worst pitcher Let's in the see world. if he can keep it up for more than a week and a half and not be a liability. Let's, let's, let's see. And, and good news, as obviously we're doing this podcast in the middle of the game, Tucker Davidson, six innings pitched, three runs, 5K of 72 pitches. Not terrible. Not terrible. That's like the best start we've gotten in forever. No, Anderson pitched well. Yeah. And Hoskers had better starts. Six than innings, that, like three runs, ago. seventy-two pitches. That's that's solid. that's pretty good. Um, maybe he'll earn himself another spot in the rotation. I I still I still want to see Wilson come back after his great start against um, was it Toronto? Yeah, I think he's going to be back, and I think we're going to see a lot more of pushing some of these guys' starts back. Charlie Morton needs a break. Morton was supposed to pitch tonight. So th- this oh, was okay. this was pushing him back. Okay, good. Because that, that they did that with Smiley last week, where Smiley was scheduled to face the Blue Jays after he had gotten killed, but, by but them. he had just gotten rocked by the Blue Jays, yeah. so they pushed him to the Brewer series. And I mean that that's where we got to throw Bryce Poo and yeah. Tucker Davidson. I don't think Kyle Wright's ready yet. Let's see what he does in uh, Gwinnett for a little mm-hmm. while. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. It's <laughs> we gotta we gotta make some strides this week with the Mets and. And then we got Pittsburgh coming into town, who is terrible. So yeah, it's a chance to go on a little, a nice little four out of six or something like that. Well, it's a weird thing with this team. It's like they'll go through these, like we talked about at the beginning. It's it's like the Brewers. Even though we lost that game on Sunday, it was like, well, we took two or three, won the series. You know, it's okay. And then it feels like when we have to play these bigger teams, bigger series. Um. I mean, or I guess better teams, I should be saying, because like you know, we took care of Philly and the Nationals, but I'm not really afraid of either one of them. We play a good team like Toronto, who has proven to be really good, really good bullpen, great young offense, and we'll see what happens with the Mets. That um, feels like when we play better teams, who are you know thought to be within our caliber, um, we are kind of falling on our faces a little bit right now. So, trying to find our identity. I mean, it it was really good to see, even though we lost that game Sunday against the Brewers. We're starting to see a little bit of that never-give-up magic that this team has been known for the last few years. Yeah, which has been non-existent all season pretty um, much. Other than we, we saw it in the Brewers game, we saw it the game we right. went to. Right, so that, that's that's like twice in a span of eight days or whatever. Right. So, you know, it, it's still in there. These guys have a track record. They're going to figure it out with, with Ozuna. Just keep in mind that, I mean, he was the DH last year. I think that's just a huge factor that now he's having to deal with playing in the field every day. So he needs a day but, off. I mean, he, yeah, but he was starting to hit a little bit in Milwaukee too. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not like he's been ice cold. Freddie's just I mean, not Freddie. Uh, Snit needs to give some of these guys a day off. I know it's kind of like we're stressing out about a lot of stuff, but um, I just like look what the middle break did for Freddie Freeman. Like ever since then, he's been going pretty hard and pretty strong. I think Marcel needs the same thing. Um, you know, I think Ronald could use another day off uh, in the near future after the Mets series. Even though I know he just came back and he missed the whole Milwaukee series. Um, you know, he's been playing like crazy and he suffered, you know, that hand injury. He almost, uh, I don't know what he did to his ankle or whatever during the last Toronto game. Um, you know, he, he's undergone a lot of uh, bruises and battery during the first 40 games of the season. Uh, Dansby could definitely use a day off. Um, you know, he looks terrible at the plate, and he's made some defensive miscues recently. We want Arcia. 
play RC, whatever, play Adrian's, and do something. Something that's got to be shaken up in the offense. Everything needs to be shaken up a little bit. Still, I think you're right. It is it's still a decent team. It's just, um, you know, we're sort of saying the same thing every week. It's like tread water. Hopefully we get it going and, you know, we continue to just tread water. And our heads are getting a little bit below the water now, it seems like. Only three games back. Doesn't feel like a World Series team right now, but no, not at all. That, that could change close. quickly. We still got trades will happen like they always do. We can bolster this team up. So yeah, uh, Anthopolis is definitely going to have to make some moves with the, with this bullpen, no doubt. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Falcons, Adam. Have you, see, have you seen the Mike Davis picture? Oh my god. It looks like uh, Michael Turner on crack cocaine. Like, a lot beefier is what you're saying. Yeah, like, Michael Turner was already a thick man when he came to us in the 2008 season, but Mike Davis looks like a Madden character in a real-life environment from, like, circa 2004 Madden character. Like, just, it's massive. Grown-ass man. Grown-ass man. His leg is bigger than my body. I don't know if he's bulked up even more from what he was with Carolina, but good Lord, that is a grown-ass man that I would not want running at me. Yeah. Kyle Pitts also looks like a child. I mean, a, a man amongst very small infants out there. He was running around against, I don't even know who that safety was, but he had a good seven inches on the guy. I was like, oh, my God, that really contextualizes the matchup nightmare everybody's been talking about. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, I mean, football's coming up in a few months here, Graham. I'm, I'm getting excited about it. Like, I'm definitely more interested in this team than I've been in the Falcons in a while. Um, just because you knew what to expect when you got Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn running the show. Then you got Matt Ryan talking about Julio today. Uh, doesn't know what's going to happen. He says he owes a lot of his career to Julio. You know, saying all the, the good Matt Ryan things. But Matt Ryan looked really depressed during that press conference. I don't know if you saw the screenshots of him. I saw the screenshot of him, yeah. He looked like just some depressed guy who had been drinking a ton of brown liquor for a solid weekend like I do every once in a while and uh, had to be interviewed the next day. He are did you, not look very happy. Are you going to read into that at all? No. I just... A little bit. It makes me think that um, he kind of realizes the writing's on the wall for, for Julio potentially. That's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm thinking when I see that, when I hear the responses. I selfishly do want Julio on the same field with Pitts and Ridley. Yeah. It would be absolutely beast-like. I mean that, that's Time better. Will that's, tell if that happens. That combo is potentially better than the Julio Roddy and Tony, Tony Gonzalez. Gonzalez combo. Potentially, in terms of like big play p- potential. Yeah, I mean, well, like on paper, yeah, you you can say that. We'll see how that translates if it does translate. It's it's exciting to watch these guys starting to get out on the field and and play and and start talking about the system. I am more excited for the Falcons season right now than watching the Braves. And I'm also <laughs> and I'm also saying that the Hawks will get preferential treatment in my house, not only just because it's the playoffs, but because the Hawks are a hell of a lot more entertaining to watch than the Braves right now. The Braves are on your shit list, huh? Yeah, just a miserable bunch of players and and an organization at the moment. Whoa! I, I I as you say that, I'm watching Pablo Sandoval give Austin Riley a hug for hitting a home run, and you call that a miserable bunch of players? I'm talking about like they're so wholesome. The, yeah, I love all the players on the team. Like I said, like Luke Jackson's the guy I talk shit about the most, but I love Luke as a person. I like the players a lot. I'm just talking about the the results have been miserable, is what I should say. Not mm. the people are miserable. I can't speak for them. Could be worse. Only three games back. Yeah, I know. I know. 
Calm down, Graham. I can't. I'm an overreactive fan right now. I feel like you're always, like, if I were to just run into you on the street, say, mm-hmm. just a random Wednesday, oh, it's Graham. Graham, how are you feeling about the Braves? Eh, I'm, I'm okay about them. I think we're going to figure it out. But it's like, as you sit here in that chair and just, like, start to talk about it more, you just, every week, the, you just get more and more depressed and go downhill. It's because and, like, I keep seeing the same you thing. You lose hope. I keep seeing the same same stuff. And the good news, though, about the National League overall is a lot of other teams aren't doing so well. The Dodgers are also horrible so far, and they've suffered a lot of in- injuries and, and things like that. Hell, they're signing Albert Pujols to bat fourth in their lineup, for Christ's sake. I mean, this shows how desperate they are in terms of how injury-ravaged they are. Yeah, that worked out great for Mr. Pujols there. He gets to yeah, stay in California. Stay, stay in the same house he's in, yeah. <laughs> the same city. Yeah, um, but you know, a lot of the teams are going through this. I think this is one of the most injury-ravaged baseball seasons I've ever seen in terms of the amount of people that are on the, the injured list right now. It's just nuts. You think the, uh, I guess this wouldn't be related to injuries, but the new baseballs that they have this year, do you think that's kind of affecting some of the guys we, like Ozuna hit a couple of balls of the track in Milwaukee that mm-hmm. maybe would have gone out last year. Do you think that's playing a factor? I think it probably does. Um, I don't think it's as I don't think it's huge, but I think it's enough to say, like, yeah, they're, I mean, home runs have not been as rampant as they have been um, last year. Last year it was like everybody was playing on a t-ball field, it felt like. Yeah, which kind of sucked. I'm kind of yeah. glad they switched it back. Yeah. I mean, you looked at everyone on their, our team had, like, super high slugging percentages to the point where, like, this is, like, comical. It's not realistic. Right. Yeah. So I don't really think that's playing a, a factor and I hope it's not playing a factor to the point for like Marcel, where it's like he's resorting back to you know some of his last years and with, with the Cardinals, where he wasn't as as good. Um, I don't know. That's all speculative. Sure. I still like Marcel a lot. I think he's still got a lot to offer. It's just I think the reason I'm so frustrated. And we've talked about this before. Is we have such high expectations for this team. We we know what they're capable of, and it's just it's just it drives you nuts when. They're just not getting the results you want. What life lesson can you learn there, Graham? Um, expectations suck. Don't have them. Yeah. Don't try. Keep keep <laughs> keep them low, and you won't be disappointed. Right. But sometimes you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. There you go. And I think those are words to live by, and words to end this uh, very combative show of Atlanta's, and at least during the Braves portion of the uh, the, the the episode tonight. So we want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you're doing well out there. Uh, we may not have a show next week since I am getting married. Um, that is a very strange sentence to say out loud. It's really just coming up. So anyways, if we don't see y'all next week, we'll see you the week after. And um, yeah, it's been real, y'all. We'll see you on the other side. Until then, rise up, mix it up, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospital, Hospital,